2020 has been quite a year, hasn't it? It's not the best one we've ever had. In fact, for some, maybe it's the worst. Friday, we've got the recession on our hands, the forest fires, a week of smoke and no breathing for us, rioting, racial tension, the contentious election, and of course, could we forget the pandemic with a fresh new set of restrictions coming out this last week? Uh, It's a time that's very easy to complain. In the midst of all that big world stuff that we're all kind of dealing with, maybe you've had personal things on top of that. Maybe you've had health struggles. Maybe you've had kids or grandkids making foolish choices that you know will hurt them, but they won't listen to you. Maybe you've got strained relationships with friends or family. Maybe there's drama at work. Maybe you don't have work anymore. Most of us are at the point where we're kind of feeling a bit emotionally exhausted, probably more than a bit. We're ready for things to change. Well, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, and maybe you're not feeling all that thankful right now. It's, it's an easy time not to be thankful. Uh, but that's what I want to talk about this morning is Thanksgiving, and not the holiday, the act of giving thanks and the attitude of thankfulness. And so today's sermon is actually called, uh, titled, A Case for Gratitude in 2020. I want to make a case from the Bible why you should be grateful even though it's a difficult season of life. Okay, I'm going to give you five reasons why you should be thankful, and then we're going to look at kind of the how to be thankful. First reason why you should be thankful, it's God's will for your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe you've had a, an experience in your life. Does God want me to do this or that? What's his will for my life? And I can't answer every one of those, but we know for sure, regardless of what it is, his will is that you would give thanks, regardless. Next, not only is it God's will for your life, it's one of the ways we experience his spirit. This is Ephesians 5. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And so what he's saying is don't let your body be controlled by a substance, alcohol, and we could apply that to other substances as well. Don't be controlled by that. Instead, you need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so the question is how? And he answers it with three ways. We're only going to look at the first two here in this. It says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So the first way is that we sing together. Second, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He'll go on to say submission to one another is another way we experience it. But I just want to point out that giving thanks is one of the ways you experience God's Holy Spirit working in your life. So if you've ever thought, I want to more tangibly experience God. I want to to feel his closeness a little bit more. There's a number of things that the Bible tells you, but one of them is give thanks. That's one of the things that you do to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. Third, Thankfulness is a sign of spiritual maturity. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with 
thankfulness. And so this passage is talking about the ongoing spiritual growth of Christians. And he uses the, the image rooted, so as if you're a tree, in Jesus, being built up in him. And to keep with that tree imagery, one of the fruits of that growth is thankfulness. And notice that it said overflowing with thankfulness. Abounding with thankfulness. Imagine an apple tree just dropping apples left and right. Because there's so much richness, there's so, so much health there. And that's what, a thankful, or that's what a mature and healthy Christian looks like, is they are thankful. Now notice in all the passages I just showed you, that the command to be thankful is all-encompassing. It's all the time, no matter what. COVID or no COVID. Restrictions, no restrictions. Summertime, when the weather's nice, wintertime, when it's cold. It's when you've got a career that you love and you are making bank. And it's when you're stuck at a dead-end job that you hate. Thanksgiving, all the time. Now, we'll talk about this all-the-time idea a little bit later. I just wanted to point out that it's there. A friend of mine was sharing with me this morning um, a phrase that we as Christians are to be outrageously thankful I think that's a helpful uh, summary of those verses. All right, so those are the first three reasons. It's God's will. It's one way to experience the Spirit. It's a sign of spiritual maturity. Number four, everything in your life depends on God. Everything. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not shift like changing shadows. Everything good you experience, the fact that you can breathe right now, even with a mask on, the fact that you can hear what I'm saying and process that information. The fact that most of you have a car with a heater that got you here. All of that comes from God. Acts 17, Paul, the apostle, is speaking to some unbelievers and he says that it's in God that we live and move and have our being. Every second of every day, is sustained for you by the God of the universe. He is caring for you and me in billions of ways that we do not see and that we often, more often than we should, take for granted. Deuteronomy 8.18 is uh, the, the Israelites are on the brink of entering the promised land and God is actually warning them that things are gonna go well. He goes, okay, when you get in the land, and you have a great year, most of them are going to be farmers, and so when you have a great year and you produce wealth for yourself, you're going to be tempted to say, my hands produced this wealth for me. Because those were the hands that sowed the seed, that put the water in the ground. But the Lord says, no, no, no. It was the Lord that gave you the ability to produce wealth. So if you've got a good rainy day fund saved up right now, or you've got a 401k that's sustaining your retirement, Good on you for saving. You should do that. That's wise. The Bible tells you to. But ultimately, that wasn't you. Ultimately, if you were to trace it back to its fountainhead source, that's the Lord taking care of you. And when we give thanks, it reminds us that we are dependent on him and that he is constantly taking care of us. Fifth reason that you should be thankful it's because you want to be. You want to be, don't you? We all do. We all instinctively recognize that thankfulness 
is tied to so many other qualities that we value and that we want. In the verses that I just showed you and in many others we could look at, thankfulness is routinely tied to things like peace, joy, contentment, generosity, a love for the Lord, kindness towards others. And we all want that. And God has made it so that those things are, are just connected together so that when you grow in one, you kind of all of them get raised up with it. It's like my daughter's jewelry. I have two daughters, and they love necklaces, bracelets, earrings, you name it. And a lot of times, if you go to grab one of their necklaces, the 8,000 other pieces of jewelry that they've acquired come up with it, and it's just one tangled web of cheap plastic and glitter. And it's just, you've got all of it together. In the same way, when we are intentionally thankful, it's you're pulling up on one thing, but you get with it joy, peace, gratitude, so many other things together. And here's the thing. The more you look for, the more you're going to find until you realize it's endless. This cycle of thanksgiving that produces joy and peace and all of those other things It can just go on and on. The more you look to be thankful for, the more you're going to find. You will not find the bottom of God's goodness to you. You just won't. I think this is one of the reasons the Bible commands us to be thankful so often. It changes us into the person that we want to be, that God wants us to be, and that others want to be around. It shatters entitlement. It shrivels pride It drains arrogance, greed, anxiety about the future, all of the yucky stuff that we put into our souls when we grumble and complain, whether that grumbling and complaining is audible or not, thankfulness undoes them. And so there's five reasons that you should be thankful even in 2020. It's God's will. It's a way to experience the spirit. It's a part of spiritual maturity. Everything in your life depends on God and it changes you into a better and a happier person. Now, I kind of went quickly through that because this is what I think of as a reminder sermon. You all know you should be thankful. I feel like I don't need to try that hard to convince you that's a good idea. But I also mentioned earlier that 2020 has been hard, right? And the commands are all the time. So I want to ask the question, really all the time? Even when there's a global pandemic happening? even when you've experienced a personal serious tragedy or loss, even if you've been diagnosed with depression or anxiety, even when someone you love has gotten in a car accident, do you really have to be thankful even then? Well, let me say, the command to be thankful is not a command to pretend. It's not the command to put on this mask that says, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's great, and downplay the difficulties in your life. The Bible is brutally honest with us about the human experience, including seasons of deep darkness and sadness. There's a whole genre of psalms called the lament psalms. These are psalms of sadness. And Psalm 88 may be the saddest of the sad psalms. Almost all of those lament psalms have kind of an upward turn about knowing that God will take care of me at one point. Psalm 88 does not. 
This is the final verse in that psalm, and it's talking to God. You have taken my companions and my loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Psalm 6. I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping. I drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of my foes. Story from Jesus' life in Luke 22. Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus is in agony. And he rises from prayer, says he arose from prayer and he went back to his disciples and what does he find? They're asleep. And why are they sleeping? Because they are exhausted from sorrow. You ever been there? You ever been exhausted from sorrow? The Bible gives you permission to lament. It gives you permission to grieve. It gives you permission to be sad and to recognize things are hard. But it doesn't give you permission to do it the same way everyone else does. Being a thankful Christian does not necessarily mean you need to have a chipper attitude like you work at Dutch Brothers all the time. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? What are your plans later today? Totally rad. You don't need to be obnoxious. But it does mean, it does mean that we experience the difficult times in life differently than the rest of the world. We look back when we're thankful to God's faithfulness. And when we give thanks, it is our trust. It is an act of trust that he is doing something even when we cannot see it for the future. Going back to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, notice here it says, give thanks in all circumstances. It does not say give thanks for all circumstances. In all things, yes, you should give thanks. But it's not telling you to pretend like everything is good. Now this phrase, or this word, all circumstances, could also be translated all things. And there's a reason we can be thankful in all things because Romans 8.28 tells us, go ahead and put that verse on the screen, that in all things, we know that in all things, same word in Greek, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Now I recognize that this verse for many believers has been used so many times that it's kind of lost its punch. But if you're a believer in Jesus, you have got to get that truth drilled into your heart. You've got to take that promise to the bank. Everything, everything, every single thing in your life in this universe is being used by God for your good. There is no such thing as meaningless suffering or pointless pain at all. You have a promise from the God of the universe who is sovereign over all things, who sustains you, who cares for you, who has been here long before you are born, and if he tarries, he'll be here long after you're dead. He has promised you he will not waste any of it, any of it. He'll use the coronavirus. He'll use your reduced income. 
He'll use the difficult people in your life. He'll use the hard things that you experience as the tools in his hand to sculpt you more and more into the man or the woman that he has called you to be. At the end of your suffering, you will be more like Jesus because God has promised to do that for you. Here's the thing, though. You will not see it. You won't, you won't get it. You're not going to understand exactly what he's doing. You'll only understand that he's doing something. You have to trust. And when you give thanks, even in the valley of the shadow of death, that is a huge act of trust. How could Moses' mother have known when she put him in a little basket in the Nile River, in her mind, likely to his death, that just a little while later he would be returned to her, that he would grow up and free the Israelites from their bondage. How could she have known? How could Joseph have known when he was sold into slavery, falsely accused for a crime he did not commit, and then imprisoned for that crime for years as an innocent man? How could he have known that he would rise to become the second most powerful person in the known world to effectively save humanity from starvation? How could Esther, as a minority child, little girl in a foreign land, how could she have known that God would use her and her beauty and bravery to protect the Jews from annihilation, to preserve the line of Abraham from which Jesus would one day come? How could Stephen have known as he was being killed unjustly that his death would be the catalyst for the church to grow through the Mediterranean. And if you or I were able to connect the dots, all of those things have an impact in eternity. And the fact that you are here listening to the Bible being preached is in some way the result of God working in those things thousands of years ago. You will have no idea what he's doing. You won't. But he is always working. Always He does not waste pain. I know that it may feel pointless, it may feel useless, it may feel exhausting, but the difficult circumstances you encounter are being used by God. And so even in those moments, we trust him by giving thanks. We learn from men like Habakkuk. Listen to his prayer. Though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. He has had a bad time here. What does he say? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Or you learn from a man like Job and as hard as things are, you don't get much lower than Job. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Or we learn from men like Paul and Silas, who are imprisoned for their faith, and instead of sitting in the cell grumbling and complaining about their rights, they're singing songs of praise to the Lord. You see, it's when we give thanks, not when things are easy, it's when we give thanks that things are hard that we rise to a new level. That's when God changes things. That's the turning point for us.
I, I experienced this own power of thankfulness in my own life about eight years ago. My father had passed away suddenly. It was one of those things, I got a phone call and totally out of the blue, he, he had died earlier that morning. I was 22 at the time. My wife was three months away from giving birth to our first child, Isaac. You see, my dad knew he was going to be a grandpa, but never got to meet my son or any of my children. And that still saddens me. And so dealing with his death was one of the most difficult circumstances of my life. Many of you have experienced similar kinds of losses. I remember telling Olivia, it it just felt like I would never be happy again. So I went to see a counselor to help me work through some things. One of the questions that the counselor asked me was, what are some positive memories you have of your father that you're thankful for? And as I answered his question then, and then thought about it more later, that really was a turning point for me. It didn't change the situation. My dad is still dead. But it changed me. It changed my perspective. And and any of you who've experienced grief know that even after you've come to terms with the loss, it still comes in waves. And when one of those waves hits me, I still find peace and comfort in giving thanks for what was. And so yes, we do need to give thanks at all times, even when things are super hard. It's not a magic bullet that's going to cure every situation you're in, but it will change you, and it will change the person you are on the other side of things. Hard times do not have to produce hard hearts, and thankfulness is one of the things that makes the difference. Now, let me be clear. We're not just thankful with this vague hope. The reason we can take these promises to the bank is because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And this is what really sets Christian gratitude apart from everything else. Apart from the Bible verses I've used, regardless of a person's spiritual view, almost everyone would agree with what I've said so far. Being thankful is not a uniquely Christian value. Many people in our world recognize it's a good thing to be grateful for the blessings we have. But often, if you listen in our culture and popular media and things, it's often just thankfulness as an end in and of itself. Sort of just going out to the universe or to the vague spiritual forces or just thankfulness without much thought to the source or the origin. As believers, though, we need to receive the blessings in our lives with thanksgiving, but we need to let them remind us of the goodness of the great gift giver. Ultimately, our thankfulness is an expression of worship to a specific person. And we remember and we ultimately give thanks for the loving work of God our Father in sending his Son, Jesus Christ, who came willingly, laid his life down willingly for us, who was raised on the third day, who has given each one of us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to be with us forever. And now we understand as believers that that work of the gospel supersedes everything else in our lives. All the blessings that you have, a warm home, a loving family, a good job, whatever it may be, when you go around the Thanksgiving table and you all say something, those are all good things and you should give thanks. But you need to understand, that's the icing on the cake. That is the cherry on top. That's God going the extra mile for you. Because before all of that, 
You've been forgiven of your sins. You stand righteous before the God of the universe, as righteous as Jesus Christ himself. You've been brought from darkness into light. You've been given a new heart. You've been promised a bright future. You've been connected with Christians both in this room and around the world. You have been given new life. You are on death row, but you've been set free. Your whole life is one of gratitude because of that. And so all the other gifts, yes, we enjoy them with thanksgiving, but we, we recognize the reason we can be so sure that God is doing things, the reason we can be so sure that he is good is because he has not withheld his most precious son from us. You see, the gospel is a gospel of transformation. It changes us into new people, from people of darkness to people of light, from people who believe and live in lies to people who believe and live in truth. And one of the many trickle-down effects of that heart-level transformation is a change of our attitude from one of entitlement to one of gratitude. The more that we consider God's glorious grace in our lives, the more we reflect on the gospel, it infuses gratitude into our ungrateful hearts. And so thankfulness just becomes the default language of any heart that has been soaked in the grace of God. It is God's will for us because it keeps us centered on his grace. It's a way of experiencing his spirit because we become constantly aware of what he's doing and we begin to feel in our hearts what we should. It's a path to spiritual maturity because it keeps us grounded and rooted in the main thing. And so let us be thankful. Let us regularly, not just on Thanksgiving, let us regularly remind ourselves of God's kindness to us. Let this Thanksgiving be a reminder to you and to me that yes, we need to be thankful, not just now during Thanksgiving, but at all times, in all circumstances. Even when things get hard, don't become a whiner. It will do the opposite of Thanksgiving. It will harden your heart. Consciously give thanks every time you experience something good in your life. I encourage you to start the habit before you go to bed. Try to think of five things, five specific things that day that God did that you're thankful for. If you want a real challenge, how about before Thanksgiving, try to come up with a list of 100 things since January that you're thankful for. You have reasons to be thankful, even amidst hard times, and you have the power to be thankful in the gospel. The Bible makes it clear that we are to be a thankful people because we've been impacted by the grace of God. May God make us outrageously thankful. May he make us people who are overflowing and abounding with thankfulness. So don't let 2020 get you down. You still have reasons to give thanks. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. Thank you for your faithfulness that endures through all generations. Thank you for your love that is so pure and right. Thank you that you've given us your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, I thank you for laying down your life for us. 
I pray as we sing now songs of gratitude and praise that you would warm our hearts, that you would remind us of the great truths of how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen.